0: You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Today's Something to Talk About, we are going over a passage that probably most people know, or are familiar with at least, um, talking about uh, Judas and uh, his betrayal of Jesus. And I think I I mentioned it early on in the podcast here in this episode, uh, but it's kind of nice to come at this from not necessarily a different perspective, but just to really dive into this particular passage here in Luke 22, um, because it is so familiar. So so discussing it and kind of diving into it a little further, uh, I thought made for a really interesting conversation, and, and I learned a lot, and I hope you guys uh, get a lot out of it as well. So here's the discussion. Hello. Hello. I just kind of started all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't want you. We're here. We're ready. Uh, Let's get it. I, did. I like
1: that clap in the microphone. Was that good?
0: It was, it peaked. All right. <laughs> I apologize to everyone's ears. Um, we're back. I took a little uh, break last week because my son was under the weather and then I was under the weather. Um, funny how that works.
1: And we missed you greatly. Thanks. The listeners, especially. I missed you. It was a challenge. But the listeners, especially. You didn't
0: missed miss you. me as much as the listeners.
1: No, because I didn't have to listen to it because you did.
0: Because you're a diva who likes to do things by yourself. No, it was
1: very painful. Yeah, I we, think you did. The, I
0: think you did a great job.:
1: We missed your dulcet tones.
0: My 90s pop culture references. That <laughs> is pretty much your all, NPR all voice. Like. <laughs> anyway, we are back, and we're um, in loop.: And
1: You sound way less congested than last time I talked to you.:
0: It's in the throat now a little bit.
1: Yeah That's good. It kind of gives you that, that deep, throaty voice. Yeah. <laughs> Get a little bonnie Raitt going in here. Oh, I
0: could take that.: I will take it. We are. Are we in 22 now?
1: We are in twenty-two in indeed. Luke.
0: Um, this was—we're starting to get into that point in Luke where I feel like everyone kind of knows what's going on.
1: Familiar <laughs> it, stories, <right>. yeah.
0: <clears throat> and from this point on, it's just kind of this is all stuff that that we've heard. But it's it's coming <clears throat> at it. I mean, especially I think this past week, um, where we looked uh, more specifically at at Judas and you know this story that everybody quote-unquote knows Um, just looking closer at that and I I think and getting kind of a different perspective on it was interesting and I'm excited to go through these next few chapters in these more familiar uh, stories and kind of just look at them maybe from from different angles
1: yeah I think familiar stories present a unique challenge to Mm -hmm. us a a lot of times the things that we are unfamiliar with uh, it's easy for us to look at them uh, with fresh eyes because they're they're less familiar so we can um, kind of have a clean palette, so to speak, as we we go toward it and and actually see what the text is saying. A lot of times for unique, uh, not unique, for familiar stories, I don't know where unique came from, but for familiar stories that that we've heard a bunch of times and everybody knows Judas is a betrayer, everybody knows Jesus died on the cross and, and Peter denied him and all that. So we know these pieces, but we may not know them accurately. We may not know them as the gospel writers present them. We may know them more as Franco Zeffirelli presents them in a movie or you know, as we see uh, in, in so many different um, retellings of the story which are either um, dramatized to, to draw us in or they're dumbed down to make it simple for us and we, we miss kind of the point of it. And so uh, <laughs> Sunday was actually a, 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 an unusually long Uh, they're all long but it was an unusually long sermon Um, and I was working really hard to keep it short and we only went through six verses Uh, we're just looking at at the six verses of uh, the first six verses of chapter 22 and of course obviously we're looking at other scriptures and and taking that all into account but it's amazing how much God packs into little things in Mm -hmm. the scriptures Mm -hmm. so we see the story of Judas and and we often will look at it and, and see the events and we'll see that for the rest of the way here we're looking a lot more at events than teaching mm-hmm. teaching right. for sure there's always that there um, but as we look at the events the the meaning behind it can sometimes be lost in the storytelling so we want to be able to see the story of it but to understand why does Luke include that this way at this point in his gospel um, he's not specifically trying to put together a chronological narrative. Uh, it is generally chronological, but that, but his point in the book, as he t- told us himself in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, is to establish this foundation of faith so that we can know, so that Theophilus can know, so that the rest of us can know uh, the, the certainty of what we've been taught. So as he's building... A, the credibility of the gospel that they had received, that this is, I've researched it, this is what actually happened. Um, but also that, what, it's believable in that it happened, but it's also credible in, in that there's weight to it, there's meaning for it, it, mm-hmm. it, it uh, it's faithful, it is worth putting our, our full trust in. And so, as we look at this story now of Judas, we've come out of um, the section where he's been, or Jesus has been, um, drawing the line or drawing the contrast between perception and reality, and then kind of wrapping that up in our last time together with um, with signs of the end of the age and what we should be looking for and what we should not be looking for. Mm-hmm. Not, not you know, getting into all these doomsayer prophecies that that people have out here and you know oh there's the messiah oh here's the messiah here's the signs of the messiah he's going to come on wednesday at 10 o'clock and you know, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things and very popular books people sell lots of books with these kinds of things and jesus is saying doomsday
0: preppers have you ever seen that show
1: yeah well, i've seen the commercials <laughs> um and jesus is saying look don't don't freak out about it yeah. don't don't be foolish don't pretend it's not coming don't be resistant and I think a lot of times we get that you know we, we've seen that even in Christian movies um, over the years it's pretty popular in the 90s where uh, we would have all these you know Antichrist mm-hmm. pictures and we want to you know nobody wants to have you know six 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 on the gas pump so you're gonna go a little bit farther so you don't have this amount of money you on get it,
0: that or much whatever. change back right, or whatever. you know
1: oh, oh keep it you know I don't want that right and we, and we get weird about stuff and and one of the Key things jesus was saying there is stop don't don't be frightened be on your guard know what's coming and then he kind of practices that himself in this which isn't really the point but it's an interesting carryover Uh, it's not the point of the passage but jesus knows he's going to be betrayed knows who his betrayer is it's one of his closest friends and and i think a lot of times we neglect that point Mm -hmm. it's not just that he was in the inner circle but he was one of Christ's closest friends. And Jesus even washes his feet right before this supper. He washes the disciples' feet, including Judas, knowing what's going to happen. Right. So he's aware, he's alert, but he's not, you know, he's not frozen with trepidation over it. He doesn't freak out like we so often do. We think, oh my gosh, these terrible events are happening. What am I going to do? I don't know the future. It's terrible. And, and, and you can identify with that. You've gone through a lot of that, your own self here recently, still going through some of that, just with uncertain future. And it, and it can overwhelm us. And Jesus is saying, yeah, it's coming. There's going to be hard times, but that's not your ultimate destiny. You're not a part of that. So one way or another, I've got you. Some of you are going to be even put to death, and yet not, not one hair of your head will perish. Well, how does that happen? You know? And so that's kind of where he has come from. And now as he's applying this in his own life, he's going into this, what we would all see as the most horrific time. He knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows that his you know, inner circle of the inner circle are going to abandon him. Peter's going to deny him. Even John's going to, everybody's going to run away. John will come back and, and be there at the cross. But but everybody is going to desert him in that moment. And he knows it. And yet still, he's not freaking out about it. And think it.
0: about that from, from a, a human perspective because, let's be honest, it hurts worse to be hurt by your friends than it does just, you know, some rando.
1: Absolutely. You, you know, know the, that's a really big thing because... He could have been betrayed by, you know, some Sanhedrin spy, you know, any of those things. But the prophecies led to this. God ordained for this to be the way. So even
0: that—that's, you know, that thing I think that we overlook. That these were the people closest to him, and and they fled, or you know, they just Judas flat out betrayed him. Peter (laughs) denied him that adds you know just a little bit more salt into the wound right and it's
1: well and, and think about it for ourselves you know we shouldn't be overlooking this because all four gospel writers specifically point out repeatedly Judas is one of the 12 right not just a guy not just a disciple not part of the the fan club that's right, following right. him but pick out for yourself your 12 closest friends. Mm-hmm. The, the, the closest people, closer than even your family. Mm-hmm. And that's where, where Jesus says, who, who are my mother and brothers? It's those who do the will of my father. These 12 were closer to him even than his own brothers. 12 people. And, and you know, I'm looking out on Sunday morning and I'm seeing we, we were very down in our attendance for our local uh, bicycle event that takes so many people away. And I look out here and I'm like, man, this is a really small crowd. These are people that I'm really close with. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe the, you know, I think we had, you know, still like 60 some people in the room. He had 12. Right. And of the 12, he had three. Peter was one of the three. Peter denies him, he betrays him just the same as Judas does.
0: And when you focus, we've spent so long uh, in Luke and I mean everywhere focusing on the relationships. Yeah. And the relationship aspect with Christ. And I feel like this this mm. is very connecting to that. Mm. And it shows, I don't know, that really gets to me, that, that these these are people he had relationships with. Right. And they're, <coughs> I, mean, I guess I'm thinking of Judas especially, but just, I, I just can't imagine what was, I, from the human perspective, what was going through his head, how much that had to hurt. Right. And Even there are though so many he lessons, knew it was supposed that, to happen, yeah. and knew it was going to happen.
1: It, it the, doesn't make it hurt less. Right. And and that's true, you know, with so many things that we go through, we can look at it, we see it coming and it still hurts. Right. We're all going to die at some point. But when my father died, it hurt. Yeah. That that was just a painful thing. It wasn't because I was uncertain about his future. He was enjoying life in a way that he never could before and I can't even imagine in the presence of his Savior. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Complete certainty. And so I didn't grieve as those with no hope and I didn't Grieve for him, but it still hurt. It was still and, a painful, I mean, sorrowful time, and, and and appropriately so. God right. has ordained that weeping for us. right The same kind of thing happens with Jesus. He, you know, he, he prays in the garden, Lord. If there's any way <laughs> right. beside this, and he knows there's
0: not. Right, but, yeah. and,
1: and and that's why he says, right. nonetheless, not my will, but your will. Right. Right. And so. The idea that this was easy for him or Jesus was tougher than other people, that's not at mm-hmm. all what mm-hmm. we see in the scripture. But he had a firm grasp on what was real and what was meaningful, what actually mattered. And so when when he goes into this thing with Judas, it's not that he knows and he's just enduring and he's tough. He is feeling every ounce of the heartbreak right. that goes along with this. Right. And yet, maintaining... Uh, right thinking Mm -hmm. and I get I I want to say the right thinking more than right feeling because the feeling follows the thinking so uh, Mm -hmm. and again and you and I've talked about this in your situation and you know I talk about it a lot because I think it applies to all of us every day all the time we're going to be overwhelmed by our circumstances there are so many things in life we don't control and we can't control and so we have to in a sense manage our expectations in that we have to recognize we are never going to, in this world, have the, the security, the, the assurance that we want. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to control things. As parents, we want to keep our kids safe. As, uh, you know, as a, a, a husband, I want to make sure that, that my wife has everything that she needs. I can't control these things. Right. I, I want to, as a pastor, make sure that everybody in our church uh, hears and receives and responds to and is transformed by the Word of God. I don't control those things. And that can be overwhelming to people. You can do what you it. can do. That's right.
0: And, but there comes a point, there comes a line right. that you can't do anymore. So
1: how much harder, in, and as a mom, you know this, There is, <laughs> it's hard to let go because when I know I can't do anything about it, but I know that I should be able, I want to be able right. to. I want to be able to control this, but I can't. Yeah. How much harder, if you're the God of the universe... <laughs> in flesh, knowing that you actually literally can, do, can yeah. and yet you can't. Right, right. That you know, I yeah. these are thoughts that are beyond my ability to process, because right. I'm clearly not him. But you know, as we look at those things, there's so much that goes on in these stories that mm-hmm. we need to actually look at. And and none of which is in itself the point, but they're all supporting the point. Right. And and really the point here as we look at this story, how does this connect with the overarching theme of Luke, with the foundation of our faith, with what Jesus is doing as he is here to seek and to save the lost, mm-hmm. at, uh, Luke 19.10. And we know he's going to the cross on purpose. He's, he's going there. Uh, it, it's not a suicide. It's not mm-hmm. really a martyrdom. It is a sacrifice. And he's willingly laying down his life for us. And as he does that, This particular story fits in here to remind us that no matter what the devil tries to do to mess us up, no matter how individuals betray us, no matter how the devil gets a hold of our own minds and causes us, even as Christ followers, to fail and to betray Mm -hmm. our father, Mm -hmm. to betray our king, um, that none of that can overwhelm or defeat or triumph over the plans that God has for us. So this had all been prophesied. And if we look at Zechariah eleven, it's like the details of what happens in this show up hundreds of years before Christ. Uh and, and, and God is speaking through Zechariah to the nation of Israel and, and to Judah. And he, he removes his favor and he dissolves the bond between them and and the people value him and at uh, 30 pieces of silver it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense if you read it in isolation like, okay the people don't value God highly I get that but some of this just seems weird mm-hmm. and Then we look at it in light of what happens here and what Judas does with Jesus and exactly what Zechariah had prophesied that that um, the value of their shepherd would be set at 30 pieces of silver right. and that God rejects that you know and, and uh, because of this price uh, this devaluing of their God and uh, and then Zechariah mentions throwing it back into the temple to the potter and Judas, Judas when said, he's yeah. overcome with remorse not repentance but remorse and he throws those coins back at them and they go and pay that to the potter to buy right, the field right. hundreds of years before not we not see this exact same thing <clears throat> right. it, it's it's astonishing to see, and we see this over and over and over in the scriptures, that God knows what God's doing. Big, Big shock, right? So Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, he tells them as he's sending them into exile. They're not in exile yet. He's sending them, and he says, I'm going to send you into exile. Babylonians are going to uh, capture you for 70 years, then I'm going to bring you back. And when you come back, after 70 years, you're, you'll be ready to seek me at that point. So he does that. But he tells them in advance, I know the plans I have for you. And these plans that I have for you, while it seems bad because I'm sending you into exile, they're actually for your good, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God's still doing what God had always set out to do. He's not finished with Israel. He's not finished with me as an individual. He's not finished with us as his church. He's still working out his plan. And no scheme of Satan can triumph over the plans of God. Can't happen. Never can so we don't have to be frightened and freaked out as Jesus was, was talking about the signs of the end. It doesn't have to overwhelm us because none of these terrible things at any point take us out of the good plan that God has for us. In the moment, it can seem terrible. When my, when, you know, my child is going through some terrible injustice or is in jeopardy, or is, you know, I, I, I look at what's going on and they, they, they seem to be sacrificed, so to speak, uh, in an unjust way, or in an unjust system. And yet, even with that, whatever Satan is scheming cannot triumph over the plans that God has. And that's really the the point of this entire passage in a nutshell. And there's more that we can glean from it. We can watch the, the pattern of sin in Judas's life, and it parallels how sin works in our own life. So we can learn from that and be on our guard be be alert and sober of mind uh, or of sober mind as as uh, 1 Peter 5:8 says because we know that the devil is trying to devour us and Jesus said to Peter you know talking about the disciples satan has desired to sift you as we, i've prayed for you so that you can overcome this but peter's still going to deny him peter's going to betray him just like judas he does but peter belongs to christ judas was there like a tear among the wheat, like a double agent, so to speak. I don't think Judas ever thought of himself that way until as it says here, Satan entered him, whether that means possession or just influence of his mind. In either case, the the reality of who Judas was shows up in how he responds.
0: Well, let's talk about who Judas was because yeah. I mean we all think we know, you know, you hear the stories and you think <clears throat> Judas is just this he's the enemy. Um, and, this, and in this
1: passage, he is, for sure.
0: Because the enemy enters him. <laughs> right. Yeah. But. Uh,
1: That's a really good point that I actually wasn't thinking about until you said it the way you said it just now. Judas is just another guy. Right. He's a regular He's you and me. person created in the image right. of God right. who, apart from Christ in his life, is separated from God right. and is under attack by the enemy. Right. That, that is true for every single one of us, whether or not we're in Christ.
0: And I guess this is probably—I mean, this is totally inaccurate—but the image that keeps popping into my head, and and not even the old one from the '70s, I think it was, but a year or two ago, uh, they redid um, Jesus Christ Superstar, hmm. and John Legend was Jesus. Um, Interesting. But and I don't know who who played Judas, but it was it was a guy, and he. Um, performance-wise did a very good job but I watched I watched it and uh, I'd only seen bits and pieces of the original one that they that they made a movie of but they show the the part where Judas kills himself and uh, in the in the show it's just these, these big metal rafters and he's he's taking the the sheets or the cloth from whatever and tying them up and and they don't actually show the act of him doing but you know it's, it's implied by the music and everything else and and this particular actor that was playing Judas, um, he was singing, but it was almost he was just i mean, he did a very good job. He was just screaming. He was in agony and just sobbing. And you think of that, and you know, I mean, obviously we don't know what what Judas was. Literally doing at the time, but you you think when he throws the the money back and he's you know I, I've 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 sentenced an innocent man to death and things like that, you'd think he's probably in that state of mind where he's just overcome with yeah. with ah I, I I don't even know the right it's not grief it's it's something more than that it's right. and so it's easy to think I guess for me and you touched on this earlier with the difference between uh, Judas and Peter in in their reactions to this in their remorse um i guess there's there's a there's a hint for me of well was judas repentant at Mm -hmm. all did he did he it doesn't it 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 doesn't say that he asks for forgiveness Mm -hmm. or 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 turns to god instead he ends his life and so i guess that answers the question but that yeah
1: suicide is inherently not trusting god to fix your circumstances right so that whatever else happens that shows us a descent in our thinking that does not mean as some have taught uh, over the centuries that um everyone who commits suicide is doomed right, to hell right. and, and all that we know that all of us can be overcome in a moment we can all mm-hmm. you know even the the greatest saints can can battle depression <clears throat> uh charles spurgeon the prince of preachers battled depression regularly elijah immediately after defeating the 450 prophets, prophets of baal is plunged into a suicidal depression, and only God keeps him from ending his own life. Right. So that, that sort of uh, idea that Christians can never do that, that's really not it. However, it is an indication of where your thought is. Mm-hmm. So if your remorse over your sin leads you to do more ungodly things, to take your own life, to take circumstances into your hands, then that is the opposite of turning to God. It's the opposite of repentance. And so with that, if we if we really want to figure out the answer to this, we have to look at what the difference is between regret or remorse and repentance. So regret or remorse is feeling bad about a situation. I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm sorry I got caught. I wish I hadn't done that. This is a terrible thing. I'm going to have to face the consequences, and mm-hmm. I don't want to face the consequences. Mm-hmm. Any number of things in that spectrum mm-hmm. can cause us regret or remorse. We, you know, That was a really bad decision. I can be a gangster and realize that murdering this person was a particularly bad decision right. and still go murder somebody else. Right, and you that's know. the
0: difference. Yeah,
1: and so with, with Peter... He realizes his betrayal, right. and he weeps. I'm sure Judas did as well. Right. Uh just is overcome right. with the emotion of it. Right. But the emotion led him to repent, led him to mm-hmm. turn around. So when we think of repentance, repentance literally is a new mind, a changing of the mind.
0: I think it's important that you say that because I think a lot of people think repentance is just saying, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. It's not just realizing I did something wrong. It's not just seeking forgiveness. It's changing the way I think about that and changing my direction. And so with Peter, he sees it. What have I done? I betrayed my Lord. He's still my Lord. I still love him. I'm not worthy of him. I really wasn't worthy of him before. And again, I'm putting you know, words into thoughts that I, I have no idea what Peter's actual conscious thoughts were. But based Only on his what we actions, see in the scripture. Right. right. We can see the fruit, so we know what kind of tree we're dealing with. Right. So the fruit of Peter's was, I go back to the other disciples. I, I am overcome with this, but I get with the family. And when Jesus comes back from the dead and he gets with them, my, my full devotion is turned to him my my direction my mind has changed and then we see Peter become this great evangelist the mm-hmm. man who was afraid to admit that he knew Jesus to a little girl at a campfire
0: mm-hmm.
1: now he's preaching to three thousand people this you know presumably uneducated fisherman from Galilee country bumpkin so to speak he's out here preaching in the cosmopolitan city of Jerusalem to the masses uh, you know at Pentecost and Three thousand people get saved. Right. That not the not the number and the result, but the boldness of his of his following, of his proclamation and his obedience, demonstrates the changing of his mind. With a changing of direction, Judas continues in the same direction, just with bad feelings. So it's like you know, I, I feel so bad that I have betrayed God, and yet I keep on doing these same things. Mm-hmm. I don't change my mind. I don't change my thoughts. I don't you know, I I embrace the darkness. It's just who I am. I, you know, I, I, clearly I'm worthless. Clearly I'm a waste, and that just takes me farther and farther down. The devil wants that. He wants right. you know, and, and Christians can fall into that for a time true believers will persevere to the end but along the way sometimes when we fall we stay down in the mud Mm -hmm. not permanently but we get used to it and we get lazy honestly with our minds we don't take our thoughts captive we don't renew our minds with the word of god we take our feelings we let them drive we listen to what the world around us tells us we listen to our own intellect well if If this, then this. If I feel this way, I must not be a believer. If I feel this way, God must have no regard for me. I have no hope. I have no future. And God says just the opposite. Your feelings are not the point. My character is the point. So you need to understand who I am. Trust my character and stop trusting your own, whether it's good or bad. Your goodness didn't earn you favor. Your badness can't lose you that favor. However, if you have experienced the kindness of God, then that will show up. It will change your direction. It will change your allegiance, just like with Peter. Peter still sinned. In fact, later on, once he's a respected leader in the church, Paul has to rebuke him for falling back into legalism and once again hiding from the truth. Right. As he's going along to fit in with everybody else, Peter, of all people, knows better right. about how the Gentiles receive the same grace apart from the law because he received a vision from God specifically about the undoing of the dietary laws and the receiving of the Gentiles. And the one who once denied Jesus before you know strangers and children then becomes bold, then becomes the outspoken person saying we need to receive the Gentiles just as God does. They get the Holy Spirit the same as us. Stop trying to make them Jews. Then falls back into it to go along with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's a pattern that we see for us as well. That right. Satan is always trying to get us. And if he can't take us out of God's hands, which he can't when we have that relationship, right. we, that's a relationship that can never be undone. Right.
0: I was talking to my mom about that today. She's we're saying, and I think we've touched on this before, why why does he even bother? And I, I said, well, I think just, just to get his kicks while he can, and he, and yeah. he, I think he gets more pleasure out of out of uh, messing with uh, somebody who's with Christ than somebody who's not. Yeah, because I, he already knows he has those people. I
1: suppose it's in some ways, and I, and I, I can't speculate as to the thought of a right. superior being. And Satan, by all measures, is a superior being to me, other than the morality of following Christ. And and the Bible cautions us against that; that we mm-hmm. should not take. Uh, angelic beings, including demons, lightly. Uh, sure. Even the other angels uh, recognize authority and rank. So <clears throat> as, we, as we look at that, I, I think in some ways, perhaps, it's a little like uh, a terrorist who doesn't actually expect that they're going to win a war in this particular thing, mm-hmm. but they are going to be a part of this war by destroying, causing terror. Ca- you know, Satan in his nature... According to Jesus, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's here to do.
0: But he you have to wonder rud- why, right? If he already knows the outcome.
1: Uh, yeah, evil, wickedness. Why do I sin when I know how it's going to end? You mm. know, why? Why do I speak rudely to my wife when I know how that's going to turn out? You know, when it goes goes poorly. Why do I give in to tempting thoughts in any number of areas yeah, when true. I know how I'm going to feel afterwards? I know what that does to the heart of God, and yet I still do it. You know, why do I? You know choose laziness instead of work when I know that's going to make it harder for me later in the week. All of these true. things, you know, are just kind of little samples of that sort of thing. I don't have an answer, honestly, because I don't know why I do it in myself right. other than sin. Well, I think
0: that's a good way to, that's, that's <laughs> that kind of gives you an answer. You're yeah. like, well, we all do the same thing. Yeah. And we, you know, and, and it's it, dumb, right. It it's dumb. dumb for yeah. us. It's dumb
1: for Satan. You know,
0: we're running out of time here, but I did have one more question. Um, kind of tying into that. We'll say it does. Um, so are is it okay to assume or is it wrong to assume then that judas was just doomed from the start from from birth if this i mean was he always the one that was going to do that god obviously knew that this was all going to happen was it always going to be judas was he was he did he have no chance at, at some kind of you know salvation
1: yeah, there's a lot of weight into that that we can't answer in the next right, two right. or three minutes. But um, ultimately, the, that sort of question comes down to God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Whether we're talking about our salvation, uh, God's sovereign election versus free will and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. And so we are programmed by the world, the flesh, and the devil to think free will, free will, free will. This is our idol that we chase after. Mm-hmm. Is there... An, Is there a sense in which we have free will? Yes, of course, sort of. But there can can only be one being in the universe at a time with actual free will. Right. Because if two have free will, then one can impose their free will on the other, and then they don't have free will anymore. So that philosophically and logically, that doesn't work. Right. Uh, Just like there can no, no matter what comic book writers tell you, there can only be one omnipotent being. Because as soon as there's two, then there are none. Right. That that just doesn't work. So same kind of an idea. Um, so according to what Jesus prayed, speaking to the Father in John 17, uh, what many would call his high priestly prayer. Let's see if I Not can meter. read it without my glasses. Here, I'll give it to you. Take a look at, uh, <clears throat> he's talking to the Father about, Uh, The fact that he's not lost anyone that the Father has given to him, right? And and this is a principle that we see throughout the scriptures. But but in 17, verse 12, I believe it is, um, he talks about, um, I haven't lost anybody except the one who was destined to be lost. Uh,
0: 17, 12 is, uh, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled.
1: Yeah, other other translations would render that, that Judas was the son of perdition. That, that this but that was says
0: right there he's the only one.
1: Of Yeah, of those, of those oh, okay, disciples, okay. for sure. Um, if we look at Romans 9, for example, we see that Pharaoh was raised up for the purpose of destruction, hmm. that, God, that God chooses whom he will save based on his compassion. He, and he gives the example also of uh, Jacob and Esau, that uh, Esau was rejected and Jacob was chosen before either of them were born or did anything good or bad. So it's not based on works, but on God's sovereign choice, which is tough for us to swallow. That's the reason Arminianism is, exists, right. is as a backlash Indeed. against what is referred to as Calvinism, or, or you know, Calvinists would call the doctrines of grace. But this idea that God is sovereign over all things, including over our salvation, which you know we see in Romans 8 as well, this, there's so much that tells us about our freedom in Christ and our, our salvation by grace. But the reason that it's salvation by grace is because it's grace. The fact that it's grace means that it cannot be by our own merit or even our own choosing. Even our faith, according to Ephesians 2, is a gift from God. So the... Was Judas doomed from the beginning? Well, yes and no. In the sense that any of us have a choice that where we can actually choose against God, which is just on the face of it, philosophically foolish and, and impossible. It's mm-hmm. an absurd reality or an absurd claim. So in that sense, to whatever extent God allows us to have free will, Judas could make that choice. Right he didn't make that choice Hmm. therefore but god knew that but god knew (laughs) that not only did god knew that if we want to go far enough for god to foreknow anything means that god must also be foreordaining that right and that's where the the issues come in between again calvinists and arminians um, where you know somebody like john wesley could look at it and say hey i i get what calvin's saying and i see it it just doesn't really work for me because i don't get how that can work right so then we embrace something else. And that's where we have to be careful not to let our systematic theology dominate our biblical theology. So if you're tied to the teachings of Calvin or the teachings of Jacob Arminius or, or anybody, any human teacher, over what the Scripture says, then you end up in a dangerous spot. And mm. so we just read that Judas was doomed from the beginning. He's mm. the son of perdition. This mm. was his destiny to do this. Well, so then what does that mean as far as the rest of it? Did right
0: what does it mean for the rest of us
1: right well what it means is don't be judas Right. right so do what what you need to do to make those choices if you can see those choices and you desire to follow him and you choose to do so then clearly your destiny is not the same as judas now does god does that require god's spirit to move us yes it does uh, in Romans uh, 8, uh, I want to say it's somewhere around maybe 15. I can't remember exactly, but it's in Romans 8. Uh, we say that the, the sinful heart, the sinful nature is contrary, it's hostile to God, and it can't submit to God. Not only doesn't it submit to God, it can't submit to God. So it requires the act of God's Spirit to snatch us out of the fire of our own sin to allow us to have opened eyes to see the truth. Hmm. God grants repentance. We see that throughout the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Repentance comes when God grants that repentance to us. So where we get hung up is we spend a lot of time spending all of our thoughts and energy on God's side of the curtain, which we can't see, Mm -hmm. we can't know, Mm -hmm. we couldn't comprehend if we could get there, when we need to be spending our focus on our side of the curtain. What we do know for sure is no one who comes to Christ is cast out. That's what Jesus said. So if you are able to make that choice, if you're able to say, I want Jesus, then you are not destined for destruction. If you're able to come and say, I see that God created me for a relationship with him. I want that relationship with him. My sin keeps me from that. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve this salvation, but I I want that. And I know that Jesus, in in his sacrifice on the cross, did what is required to pay for me. And I can't deserve it. I will never deserve it. But he and his character loves me enough to to save me anyway. And so I receive it. If I'm able to come to that place, then I am, to use the the words that theologians use, I am elect, I am chosen by God to be able to see and to receive that. Not everyone does. Not everyone can. The question for me in my own heart is... Will I allow God the right to be God if I don't understand it? If it's not fair to Judas, in my opinion, can I be okay with that? And that's the hard thing for us, I think, in, in all of these things, is who actually gets to call the shots? Is it God or is it me? And if I think that God is unfair, then I'm saying it's me. Right. If I think that God made the wrong decision or what, you know, what he did wasn't just... Then I'm disregarding what God tells us in the scripture. I'm right. disregarding his nature as he reveals himself. And I'm saying, I know better than he does. Well, now, we generally wouldn't say that consciously, but that's right. what we're saying. Right. So that's where the, you know, again, I, that's just a very brief. Right, I feel conversation like we could talk for a long time about that, but. They've been talking about it for a few centuries. So, yeah,
0: so we're probably not going to get it on a 30 minute podcast. <laughs> but uh, we will end there. And uh, yeah, interesting conversation. Thanks, Rich.
1: It was good. We had fun.
0: (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time.